Isaiah 64, verse number 7. Everybody brought your Bible this morning? Yes, sir. Uh, I encourage you to open to these scriptures and look at them. These are, uh, Brother Hagin, when I went to Bible school, he said, always look at the Word and, and, and say, when you're reading the Word, this is God speaking to me. Amen. The Word of God is God speaking to me. Amen? So, Isaiah 64, verse 7. And there's none that calleth upon thy name. That's not true, you know, with everybody, but he's talking about there in that day. He said, there's none that calleth upon thy name. Notice what he means by that. That stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. So there were things going on in the nation of Israel at that time because they had departed from God, and he mentions their sin and their iniquity here, and there were things that weren't happening for them that God intended for them to happen, to have happen. And, um, and he said, the reason nothing's changing, he said, there's nobody calling upon my name. And then notice, this is a phrase that st stood out to me, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. That just keeps standing before me, that stirreth up himself. That stirreth up himself. To do what? To take hold of God. Now, that, that's kind of, I don't know, like, I read that, and it's, to me it's a little bit like a slippery pig. I don't know if you've ever, <laughs> you know, you go to the fair, you ever watch, because we went on vacation one year, Debbie and I, and uh, we went out to Colorado, and they were having, we found out when we were there, they were having their county fair. And so we like, well, we need to go and watch somebody, you know, ride whatever, the Broncos or whatever, and just have a good night out together. So we went down there, and the, when we got there, they were having a little slippery pig contest with the kiddos, with the little kids, you know, up to, I think, 12 years. They had different categories, one for the up to five, and then up to, you know, the 12-year-olds. But anyway, so they greased this pig down. And, uh, and uh, you know, the kids are out there, and they're trying to get a hold of this pig. And it's, and that's what, and it's very difficult to get a hold of a pig in, in, in general. But when he's slippery, <laughs> where he's greased down, he's hard to get a hold of. Well, I read this verse, and it's like a slippery pig to me. It just, I, I, what does it mean, stirs up himself to get a hold of God? Well, let's go over to another passage, and I think we'll get some more understanding. Let's go to the 57th chapter of Isaiah, and excuse me, the 56th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 56, look at verse number 4. Isaiah 56, verse number 4. Thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, now look at this phrase, and take hold of my covenant. So that back there in verse... Uh, or Isaiah 64 said, stirs up himself to take hold of thee. But then here he said, takes hold of God's covenant. Yes. He stirs up himself to take hold of the covenant. So when, when the Bible talks about taking hold of God, he's talking about taking hold of the covenant. You understand, we, we live under a covenant with God. Back in the Old Testament, they had the covenant they had back in that day. We have a covenant with God today. So he mentions that. When so I like to, when I think of taking hold of God in verse uh, 7 of Isaiah 64, I like to think about taking hold of the covenant. Yes. Taking hold of the covenant. Now, what is the covenant? The covenant is the written word of God. That's right. 
It's what God did for us in Christ and wrote down in the Bible. And you can read in your Bible many things that God did for us, uh, and uh, those things are all past tense. You know, like take, for example, Ephesians 1, verse number, what is that? Verse 3, I believe. It says, uh, God has blessed us with all, or in other words, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Notice he's not going to do that. He's already done that. We're not, we're not wannabes today. We're not going to be today. We are blessed. We're not going to be blessed. We don't want to be blessed. We are blessed. So what our, you know, that's what grace provided. You know, every, everything that happens in our lives uh, happens by grace through faith. In other words, by the, the grace of God is what God did for us in Christ. Those are all, we call them the in Christ realities. You ought to get, in fact, we might have the little book back there. I, I'd have to look. I, I think it's right. I think I see it. The In Christ Realities by, uh, well, it's in, in Him, In Him. It's just called In Him. Yes. Brother Higgins' little book, In Him. Yes. And it lists out many of the scriptures yes. of what the Bible says we can do in Christ, who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what our privileges are. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And those are all things that are already done. People are praying for God to bless them and don't know that the reason they pray that way is because they don't know they already are blessed. And so to, to uh, take hold of that means to, uh, in fact, let's go to another verse. Let, I think this other verse will help us. In 2 Timothy chapter number 6, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 12. Poke your neighbor and say, you might not quite understand where he's going right now, but you're going to be excited by the end of this service. <laughs> Amen. All right. First Timothy chapter number 6, look at verse number 12. First Timothy 6, verse number 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Now, people read that word fight, and they think that's, that means they're supposed to fight the devil. I think some Christians thought that means they're supposed to fight other Christians, but that's not true. No, fight the good fight of faith. What is the good fight of faith? Well, I've never been in any... Now, I'll tell you, when I was growing up, I was in elementary school. My arch enemy in elementary school was Clyde Fickus. Now, you haven't met Clyde Fickus, but the more you hang around me, you'll learn a lot about Clyde Fickus. Sure will. (laughs) Clyde Fickus... he was a bully in elementary school. I went to Scotland Elementary School in Fayetteville, Pennsylvania. Don't look it up because you can't find it. But anyway, <laughs> it's pretty small. But uh, it's right beside Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. I grew up there, spent 18 years growing up there and, uh, before I went to Bible school. But anyway, uh, I came up through at Scotland Elementary School. It's the closest elementary school to where, I, where, where the farm was that I grew up on. And uh, right across, because our farm's here, and, you know, the lane that's... Uh, I don't know, maybe 200 yards long, and then the street. And then on the other side of that is an apple orchard. And then on the other side of the apple orchard is another road. And then uh, uh, on that road, up up a little dirt road, was where Clyde Fickus lived. Mm. Clyde Fickus was a bully. He was a wimp, but he was a bully. Now, I grew up on the farm. I'm, I'm uh, you know, working. I, I started working. I, I learned to work when I was growing up. I grew up on the farm. If you'd grow up on the farm, you start working at five years old, you know. You get chores. You get responsibility. And, uh, I mean, you, you start learning how to bale hay and, 
and uh, do all the work, you know. And so you're working, and so, you know, you're, you're, you're a kid, and you're developing muscles. You don't realize it at the time, but you're developing all these muscles. And so, but Clyde Fickus was lazy. Clyde Fickus, he didn't work at all. He, his, big, his, his most exercise he got was walking from the television to the kitchen to get something to eat. You know, that's just the way Clyde Fickus was. But he was a bully. He was a weakling, but he had a big mouth. Uh-oh, come on, come on. And so anyway, I don't know why I'm telling this story. I didn't plan on telling this story. But, but Clyde Fickers, he, he would pick on people and, uh, and uh, just would pick fights. And, uh, you know, I was not a fighter. I wasn't, I didn't, that didn't have, when I was growing up as a kid, I wasn't, I didn't start fights. But uh, I got tired of Clyde Fickers. You know what I'm talking about? Always picking fights. And I, I, he, he talked so big, I thought he was strong. And then it started dawning on me, he's not strong at all. I'm the one that's been throwing hay bales around for the last four years or however long this was. I'm the one that's got the muscles, and he's all he's got's a big mouth. And so I decided inside, I can take Clyde Fickus. I can take him. I believe I can take him. So I said, next time. And so he, we were playing kickball, and he, he started mouthing off and saying something. And I, and I said, all right, here goes. Now, I got in trouble for it, but it sure was fun. I said, I'm going for Clyde. And I tore into Clyde Fickus, and I, I beat Clyde Fickus to a pulp. Hallelujah. Say amen, somebody. <laughs> and so, I, and I, I don't, why am I telling this story? I have no idea why I'm telling this story. But uh, no, uh, fight the good fight of faith. Oh, I know why I was telling that story. That was a good fight. The only fight that's good fight is the one you win. If you lose, it wasn't a good fight. <laughs> Amen. So, so I said, I said that was a good fight. Good fight. You know, Clyde Fickers calmed down around me after that. Yeah. Amen. I, I cleaned Clyde Fickers' clock. There you go. And he straightened up. He bullied other people, but he didn't bully me anymore. So, but anyway, that's my introduction to you to Clyde Fickers. But uh, fight the good fight of faith. Yes. A good fight's one you always win. Yes. Now, it didn't say fight the devil. The devil's already been, Jesus already fought him and defeated him. Amen. Just remember, you know, you read over there in Ephesians 6, you know, uh, talks about uh, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God. You might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. Remember that? Spiritual wickedness in high places. Yes. Put on the whole armor of God. You might be able to stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, you know, having on the loins, guard about the truth, all that. You know all that. But that, that verse, you're not, you're not there. The, 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 you read very closely. People read it and they don't re- recognize it, but read it very closely. You're not fighting the devil there. You're standing. Yes. Sta- yes. Having done all to stand, stand. Yes. And just remember, every time the Bible says that these forces, because they do oppose us, these evil forces oppose us. They bring thoughts to our mind. They bring uh, all kinds of things. But, uh, and and uh, they're trying to... They're trying to uh, get us to fight them. But see, I've learned I don't have to fight them. Jesus already fought them and defeated them. Yes, he did. Colossians chapter, chapter number three, I believe it is, talks about he spoiled principalities and powers. So these, these things, and that word spoiled means to, to take as in battle, you know, and strip them of all their armor. Uh, but th- these, these forces that come against us have been defeated. So when we read here, fight the good fight of faith, he's not telling us to fight something that's already defeated. Right. 
Jesus already defeated them. What is the good fight of faith? The good fight of faith is described as you keep on reading. Keep on reading. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, here's how you do that. Lay hold. Well, we already read that back in Isaiah, didn't we? Lay hold of eternal life. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait just a minute. Who's he writing this to? Of course, it's written to all believers, and, and it's inspired by the Spirit for all of us. But you go back, and you'll find out he's writing. This is the book of Timothy, isn't it? First Timothy. He's writing this to Timothy. Right. Now, I'm not saying it's only for Timothy. It's for us today. It was a, God, used it, God inspired it, to, it for all of us. But, but the, the man he's talking to here is Timothy, first of all. But Timothy's already born again because they lay hold of eternal life. You, you do that by the new birth, don't you? Yes. 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 Well, yes. Of course, and no. Why no? Because he's writing to a man who's already born again, and he said, lay hold of eternal life. Eternal life must be more than the new birth then. That's what he already had. He already had laid hold of eternal life in the sense of the new birth. So you look at the word life or eternal life, and the New Testament is translated eternal life, and it's also translated abundant life. In other words, the eternal life is not just living forever with God or the new birth, which starts down here, of course. But eternal life is not just a length of life, but it's a quality of life. There's things in this life God intends your life to have a certain quality to it. Our life shouldn't look like the world's. Our life should be full of peace, full of joy, full of, full of the blessings of God. Praise God. And so uh, he's saying to uh, lay hold of something that really, uh, apparently, Timothy hadn't fully laid hold of it yet. You say, well, what's wrong with Timothy? Same thing with us. We're still laying hold of all that God has provided for us. We're still laying hold of some things. So lay hold, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called. Just because you're called to something doesn't mean you and I are walking in it. Then notice, and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Other translations will say confessed, a good confession before many witnesses. So fight the good fight. Here's how you fight the good fight of faith. You lay hold and make the right confession. You lay hold and make the right confession. Well, lay hold of what? Well, anything God said. Amen. If the Bible said he has already redeemed us. And that we're already victorious over these forces of darkness, lay hold of that. Yes. That's right. That's yeah. right. If the Bible said, By his stripes you're healed, lay hold of that. Right. Amen. Lay hold of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And and we read back there in Isaiah 64, it takes to, to do that takes some stirring up. Yes. Stirring up ourselves. Yes. Yes. Now, so we gotta look at this because. Uh, again, this can be like a slippery pig. It's like, well, okay, how do I do that? Do I, I don't know about you. I like it practical. Yes. I like it some, something I can get a hold of. Ah, I can get that. Well, first of all, uh, to do this, one thing we should understand is that uh, spiritual things, the spiritual thing, the spiritual, let's put it this way, spiritual realities. There are things God has said in his word that in his mind are real and reality. But it might not be in our experience yet. So he's telling us 
take the, rea- take the Word of God and, and, and accept it as reality, believe it, and confess it. Now, to do that, but, uh, the Bible says, with the heart man believeth. So you have to understand, to lay hold of something, you have to do it not with your mind, but do it with your heart. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. We're three-part beings. The, the psychologists today just say we're mind and body. And that's only partly true. <laughs> we are actually spirit, soul, and body. But they actually don't want to acknowledge the spirit of man because if they did, they'd have to start talking about God. <laughs> and they don't want to talk about God. So, <laughs> but we are spirit beings. We're created in the image of God. In the sense of we are created as spirit beings. Now, we have a body and we have a soul, mind, mind and a soul. But, but that's not who we really are, the mind and the soul and the body. That's not who we really are. The real man is on the inside looking at, we're looking at one another through these windows we call eyes. The real man is the spirit man. Whenever you and I live out our life, or if if Jesus comes, I think he's coming before I'm going to live out my life. But uh, we'll see here. But uh, I mean, let's do our part to make sure that happens. (laughs) But anyway, but so, but uh, the, the real man, whenever either Jesus comes or uh, well, actually, if a person lives out their life and doesn't uh, go in the rapture, they'll, they'll die, what we call die. Now, does that mean they don't exist anymore? No. Paul said, for me to depart and be in Christ, which is far better. He didn't say, whenever I die, I'm going to be dead like a dog. He said, I'm going to depart. I'm going to leave. The real me is going to go somewhere and be with Christ. That's the man that's the man that will live forever. I know I'm just uh, preaching to the choir here, but let's, let's, let's get a hold of this. We're, we're going to learn how to lay hold here. And, and we got to do it with this inward man, not the physical man. But Paul talks about the inward man and the outward man. Paul talks about spirit, soul, and body. And uh, to lay hold, just like you and I can lay hold of something with our hand, Physically, our, our physical hand. The Bible says we can do that with our inward man. Yes. The inward man has a hand just like the outward man has a hand. The inward man is a man. The Bible talks about the eyes of your heart. Talks about the ears of your heart. He's just like this outward man. Amen. Jesus one time said, let these sayings sink, sayings sink down into your ears. Well, if anybody's ever raised children, they know what that means. Because yes. uh, well. they can hear it and not hear it. Right? Don't hit your, your sister anymore. No. Yeah. Well, they, they heard it, but they didn't. They didn't. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> right? It didn't sink in. Right. It didn't sink down into the inward part. Right. It, didn't, it, didn't, uh, it didn't register on them. And so whenever the Bible talks about, Jesus said, let these things sink into your ears, he's talking about let it sink down on the inward man. Let your inward man hear it, not just the ears right here. I'm telling you, you can hear and hear and hear, and then finally your inward man hears it. And then all of a sudden, you're like, I got it, I got it. That's what he's saying that, that happens to the inner man. And whenever that happens, whenever that truth of a, of a, of a Bible truth or a Bible reality sinks in and you hear it on the inside, 
Now, you have the ability to lay hold of that. Lay hold of that. The, the inward man has a hand just like the outward man has a hand. And he can get a hold of spiritual truths. And that's what he means when he said, lay hold of eternal life. So the inward man, listen to the Word of God until it hits your spirit, and then believe that and begin to say, that's mine. That's mine. Hallelujah. That's mine. That's mine now. That's called laying hold. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Where until you've called and confess a good confession. So fighting the good fight of faith means you lay hold of a spiritual truth, even though it doesn't seem like a reality in your natural experience in, your, in this life. You lay hold of that spiritual truth, and you begin to say it. You begin to say, that's mine. That's who I am. That's what I have. The devil said, you don't look at, your, look at your life. You said, shut up. I'm not listening to you. This is not a conversation between me and you. Amen. This is a conversation between me and the, and, and, and the Word of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, be careful because I'm going to preach myself happy. And when pastor gets happy, it's fun. <laughs> All right. Now, um, so uh, lay hold. Now, this really, this verse is describing, before I'm talking about 1 Timothy 6.12 here, it's describing an element of faith. Actually, you know, this, the name of this church is called Spirit of Faith right. Family Church. Yes. Spirit of Faith. What on earth does that mean, Spirit of Faith? Well, Spirit of Faith. Well, it's a Bible term, 2 Corinthians 4.13, right? We having the same Spirit of Faith. As is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and spoke and speak. So that, this, this what I'm talking about here is an element of the spirit of faith that's necessary for you to enter into what God's provided for you. Amen. 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 Now, um, look at verse, this is Deuteronomy chapter number 1. Deuteronomy chapter number 1, verse number 8. We'll read a couple of these verses here. There's one in uh, a verse in verse, uh, chapter number 1. Well, two verses in chapter number 1 and two verses in chapter number 2 that say this. We won't read them all. You just write them down. We're going to read uh, Deuteronomy 1.8 and then 1 verse number 21. He said to the children of Israel in the Old Testament, I have set the land before thee. Now, if you look up the word set, in the Hebrew, it means given. I have set or given the land before you. You know what this is. This is Canaan's land. I've given this land before you. I've set it before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then he said in verse number 21, Behold, the Lord thy God, same thing, hath set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. Go up and possess it. As the Lord God of thy fathers hath said unto thee, Fear not, neither be discouraged. Uh, you look at verse, uh, this is chapter number 2, verse 24 and 31, says some similar things. Deuteronomy 2, verse 24 and 31. In verse 24 it says, he mentions a certain land, and he said, uh, begin to possess it. And then he said in verse uh, 31, uh, I've given you this certain land, begin to possess it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Notice, yeah. On, in all these verses, there's a Godward side. Yes. And there's a manward side. Yes, there is. God does the providing. God does the giving. Yes. 
And that's really, if you bring this through the, you bring this through Calvary and through the cross, it's basically all that God did for us in Christ, who we are, what we have, what we can do, our present position now, all the blessings we have in Christ now, all those things, that's what grace did for us. But nothing we did, uh, nothing we can do earns that. It's a free gift. Amen. Amen. I'm glad it's not based on my performance, but what God did in Christ for me. But see, there's, there's, that, that's just one side. That's God's side. What, what does man do? What does, what's his responsibility? Well, his responsibilities, like what it says here, go to begin to possess that. Now, now, uh, he's not talking about these verses are because Canaan's land in the in the Old Testament. Uh, sometimes people will look at it and they'll say, "Well, that's a type of heaven." Well, it can't be a type of heaven because I mean, notice the giants were in there. Yes. <laughs> That can't be a type of heaven. When we get to heaven, are we going to have to fight giants and fight to possess? And No, no. No, this isn't a type of heaven. This is a type of the blessings of God down here in this life. Uh, for example, um, you know, because a lot of times Christians, they kind of have all their, all their blessings. They kind of put it off into the future. Uh, Christians are good about talking about the good old days or, or uh, what's to come. Oh, won't it be wonderful when we get to heaven? Well, sure, it'll be wonderful when we get to heaven. I mean, if, I were to, if, if God was having us vote on it, I'd say, let's do it right now. Yeah. You know, but he didn't ask me. <laughs> we're not there yet. But are we just supposed to live in defeat down here before we get to heaven? Absolutely not. No, there's promises of the life that now is and the life that is to come. Praise God. Jesus talked about the, the blessings of God in this life. He mentioned, we just read them. I mean, we referred to them in the offering, talking about, uh, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you. He's not talking about in the future. So uh, this is not a type of heaven. Canaan's land is not a type of heaven. There'll be no giants there. He's talking about what belongs to us down here. He's saying you're going to have to possess it down here. Yeah. Why? Because there's opposition against you entering into it. Yeah. Yeah. The opposition has been defeated. Amen. Yeah. Satan is a defeated foe, and he can't keep you from entering into it, but he will lie to you, and he does have strategies that you can't be ignorant of to keep you from entering into these things. You know, the Bible says that Satan is defeated. He's, uh, if you look about, if you look, if you study the whole counsel of the New Testament on this, Satan has already been defeated, and he's already under our feet. We've been raised up to sit above him far above. You know those scriptures. Yet, right on the other hand, it also says Satan over there in 1 Peter chapter number 5, verse number 8, eight I believe it is, that Satan walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So the whole counsel of God on Satan is he's been defeated, but he's not yet been imprisoned. He's still roaming about. Right? He's looking for somebody to devour. And it didn't just say unbelievers. He's looking for anybody who will swallow his lies, believe his lies, and, uh, and uh, you know, accept what he says about things, and uh, will listen to him. Even though believers have authority over him, yet believers can be dominated by him if they allow Satan to. 
Uh, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Some people lose the devil by, by the words they speak and don't realize why he's active in their lives. Not because he has authority to be active, but because they gave him permission. You know, maybe not. Sometimes it's ignorantly. They didn't do it aware of what they did, but yet Satan takes advantage of people's ignorance. Bible talks about that. Yes. You ever read what is that? Second uh, Thessalonians, or excuse me, Second Second Corinthians, chapter number two. Is it verse number nine? I believe, or verse number eleven. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Is that verse nine or verse number eleven? Verse number eleven. Somebody said, Second Second uh, Corinthians, chapter two, that uh, verse number uh, eleven. I believe it is. Let, let Satan take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Satan cannot just over, can't just run us over unless we let him run us over. Now, we can do that willingly, or, or let's put it this way. We can do that knowingly, or we can do it ignorantly. And, and ignorance is fine to the devil. In fact, he thrives on ignorance. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's not even said there that the devil destroys people. It's just the lack of knowledge. Well, if you find out who you are and what you have and, and your authority over the devil and how he works, yes. you can yes. stop him in his tracks yes. like Clyde Fickus. <laughs> I found out who I was. I'm a farm boy. I'm stronger than Clyde Fickus. <laughs> and I found out who Clyde Fickus was. He's a weakling. So I stood up and put him in his place. That's why I told that story. Now I know. I'm so glad I told that story. <laughs> so, praise God. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> he's walking, Satan's walking about seeking whom he may devour. See, Clyde Fickus was pretty much devouring me until I stood up and I said, no, no, I know who he is. I know who I am. So, who can Satan devour? He devours people who don't know who they are. Don't know what they have. Don't know that he's defeated. Because he's like, the Satan's like, uh, he, he's a, he's a uh, he, he huffs and he puffs. He, he says big things like, like Clyde Ficker said big things. And he just threatens and does all this. And, and he'll, he'll come to your ear and he'll talk. You ever heard the yakety yak yak? It's full of fear, unbelief. You can't, you'll, you'll fail, you'll this, you're, you don't have this, you don't have that. And the good fight of faith is, means you answer those things yes. and say, no, it is written in the Word of God. Right. I believe what the Word of God says. I have laid hold of the Word of God, and I'm not taking no for an answer. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Now, what are, you, what, are, what are you doing when you do that? You're doing what they did in Deuteronomy 8, I'm, excuse me, chapter 1, verse 8 and 21, chapter 2, verse 24 and 31. You're doing the possessing. Yes. You're possessing. Yes. I said you're possessing. Amen. So, you know, to, to bring this home, there are things that people think they're waiting on God for. I'm waiting on God to do this or do that. When actually he's waiting on us to possess what he's already provided. Amen. And so, um, there's, there's a lot of times a fight to this. Not a fight to defeat the enemy, but a fight to not take his thoughts. There it is. is. Come on. 
Did you get that? There's a big difference. He, he, uh, he's like Clyde Fickus. He's nothing. But Clyde Fickus had a big mouth. Yeah. Right? Yes. Maybe we'll call this sermon Clyde Fickus. <laughs> Clyde Fickus was, was, a, was a weenie. We'll just call that to be our sermon today. Clyde Fickus was a weenie. <laughs> but, but see, but Clyde Fickus didn't really have any strength. He just had a big mouth. And that's the way the devil is. He's, he's a big talker. A big talker. You know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. He'll tell you. He'll threaten you. And listen, when I say talk, don't, don't think that I mean that you'll hear his voice audibly. Right. I mean, that could happen. But right. the main way he talks, the main way that what he says comes to us is in the form of thoughts. True. Suggestions that come to our minds. Right. Come on. Amen. I mean, you go to step out in faith on the Word of God, you'll have, you'll have a lot of bombardment of thoughts against your mind. True. And so... Um, to fight the good fight of faith means you don't accept those thoughts. You answer those thoughts with the Word of God. Hold fast to what you believe and say what the Word says. Brother Hagin used to call it this way. He just said say it this way. He would say, hold the devil in the arena of faith. Hold the devil in the arena of faith. Don't let him get you in the arena of sight. Now, when we read 1 Timothy 6.12, we think fight the good fight of faith. Uh, we, we, we think of fight, we, we, you know, because our modern day fights are, are like boxing matches. You see that on TV and stuff like that uh, and other kinds. And we kind of think of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I got to study in this one time. And, I, and if you realize what Paul's referring to, Paul lived in the days where the, the beginning of what we have today, it all began. We have the Olympics today. The Olympics began way back there in Paul's day, actually before Paul's day. They called them the Greco-Roman games. And if you read Paul's writings, like he'll talk a lot about different athletic competitions. You know, they that run, run all, but one receives the prize. And you can see him referring to those competitions in his writings over and over again as, as, a, as an illustration of spiritual things. Um, like, for example, Hebrews 12 talks about, uh, you know, chapter number 1, uh, chapter number, uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1. It talks about the seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Remember that? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin so easy. He says, let us run with patience the races. So that's talking about what he was, what he experienced at the Greco-Roman games where the crowds would gather like we have sporting events today. And they would all watch and, and these runners, they, you know, somebody on their team would be competing. They'd cheer them on. He said, we're compassed about by the cloud of witnesses of those who went before us. They're in heaven cheering us on. If you've got relatives that were born again and they left, they're up there going, run. Run the race that's set before you. They're, they're looking over the banister of heaven. And so, but those are all illustrations Paul used. Here's a, he's, he gets this fight, the good fight of faith. He gets this from a, a, a one of the forms of athletic competition that they had back then. Back then, they didn't have the kind of boxing matches that we had. They had, if you look, and this is, when I saw this, I thought about it. We do have something like this today. They had something back then where two guys would get in a, it's like a, a big circle. I don't know, maybe it's about, it'd probably fit maybe in this little area right here, be a big circle. And two guys would get in there, and uh, the goal was, it's like a bit of a wrestling match, the goal was to get the guy outside of the circle. Right. Yeah. 
The closest thing we have to it today is sumo wrestling. Don't picture it in your mind. But <laughs> two big guys with diapers on, you know. <laughs> but anyway, but so what's the goal of sumo wrestling? The sumo wrestlers are trying to get one another off balance outside of the circle. You get the other guy outside of the circle, you've won in sumo wrestling. Well, that's what Paul's referring to, fight the good fight of faith. He's saying, stay in the arena of faith. Hold the devil in the arena of faith. Don't let him get you outside of the arena of faith. Now, let me, let, me, let me tell you what it sounds like to be in the arena of faith. To be in the arena of faith means I got it. Thank God the Word of God is true. Yes. Yes. To get you outside of the arena of faith is saying, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. That's not faith. Faith is now. Faith is now. I, I have it now. Amen. Praise God. So when you, uh, when you take the thoughts of the enemy and believe them, and somebody said, how do I know it's the thoughts of the enemy? Anything that's doubt, anything that's fear, anything that's uh, condemnation, anything that is against the Word of God, that's not, that's not God. That's Satan. Don't accept his thoughts. Somebody said, well, how do I know what the Word of God says? You got you to get in the Word and meditate on it, get, get all these promises, and that's why you go to church too. You get, you get the Word of God. Yeah. So uh, to fight the good fight of faith means you don't take what he says to your mind or the suggestions or the doubt or the fear, so forth and so on, condemnation. You can go a lot of directions with that. But, but you take what God's Word says and you answer Satan. Jesus in Luke 4 always answered Satan when Satan spoke to him and said, it is written. Now, if you don't know what's written, you're at a disadvantage. That's why, that's why we need to get the Word of God into us. So, um, uh, this, this, this possessing, this, this, you know, Deuteronomy 1 talks about go in and possess it. This possessing is something that pleases God. We read there in Isaiah in the 54th chapter, he's talking to the eunuchs. Now, eunuchs were people who separated themselves from even married life in order to give themselves to the things of God. You don't have to be a eunuch to do this. But he said they, notice how it said that. It says to them that, uh, that did that, they do the things that please me, that keep my Sabbaths, do the things that, or choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. Yeah. Taking hold pleases God. Yes. Do you see that? Yes. Taking hold pleases God. Why? Because we're talking about faith. Yes. And Hebrews 1, 11, 6 says uh, that without faith, it's impossible yeah, to right. please yes. God. Faith pleases God. That's right. Oh, yeah, it does. I'm convinced when a, when a child of God believes what God says and answers the devil with it, that Jesus nudges God and says, do you see our child? you see our child? They're believing us. And they, 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 that pleases them. Faith pleases God. <laughs> That's so good. I love that. So, with, with that in mind, 
uh, fight the good fight of faith, uh, it's, it's a laying hold thing. It's a possessed thing. Yes. Yeah. It, is, it is entering in to what is rightfully ours. The things of God are not automatic. You and I walking in peace, for example, is not automatic. It's been provided. I always think about John 14, I believe it's verse 27 there, where it talks about, Jesus mentions this. He said, peace I leave with you. Amplified says, I give and bequeath it to you. Bequeath is a, a, a term for a will or a, a uh, you know, you go to the reading of someone's will if they've left, left you in their will. Uh, I bequeath it to you. I, my peace, I bequeath to you. It is your inheritance. That's what we're talking about today, your inheritance. Do you know as a child of God, you have an inheritance? Yeah. Amen. Amen. You ever had your grand, you know, maybe some of us, our grandparents died, or maybe some of us are old enough, our parents went on to heaven or something, and they left a will. And you go to the reading of the will. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're doing here this morning. You came to the reading of the will. Yes. Right. You're finding out what, what is in your inheritance. Right. Yes. And, and then you got to lay hold of it. Yes. So, uh, to, to, uh, to fight the good fight of faith, now, now that's directly opposite of some things you hear today. So you'll hear terms like, let go and let God. Come on. Well, 1st Peter, I mean, 1st uh, Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold. About the same thing, right? <laughs> no, not at all. No, no, not at all. Let go and let God. No. It's lay hold, fight the good fight of faith. Um, so, one of the continuously repeated examples in the New Testament that we are given when it comes to walking by faith is what the children, actually the, the example we're, we're given to not follow, is the children of Israel at Kadesh Barnea. And at Kadesh Barnea, they said we can't. You know, they're greater than us. There's walled cities. There's giants. There's chariots. You know, where's grasshoppers in our sight? We can't. Well, that's not how you possess. That's not how you possess. How you possess is what Joshua and Caleb said. Uh, we're well able to go up and possess it. They're bred for us. Their defense has departed from them. <laughs> I've, I've watched that so often. I, I mean, it's something looks impossible. In fact, two years ago, that we're, what we're walking in today, two years ago, it's like, how on earth? Yes. Come on. Come on. Come on. And yet, well, here we are standing right in the middle of it. Yes. <laughs> Found out that all that yakety yak yak against my mind was nothing but Clyde Ficus. You know, just, it's just nothing. And that's the way you got to be when it comes to faith. You got to, uh, it, when, 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 when doubt and unbelief are, Brother Hagin used to say, the devil's breathing down your neck with the hot breath of unbelief. Yeah. 
I know what that's like. I know what it's like for the thoughts to bombard your mind and say, hey, God put something in your heart. God direct you into his, his word and to take a stand on his word. And you go to step out on it. And the, I know what it's like to experience that yakety yak yak. I mean, you're just, everything, everything coming against your mind says you're crazy. You're crazy. Stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> this is the wrong choice. You're going to fail. You're going under. And yet you just keep walking as if it's, if, if, and you say, it's written. Or God spoke to me, I heard from heaven. Praise God. So what, that's laying hold. And not only laying hold, how many of you, it's one thing to lay hold, but it's another thing to hold fast. Because you can get a hold of something and let it go. I tell people all the time, you got to be like a bulldog with a bone. You get a hold of a, a bull, bulldog gets a hold of a bone. You can try to take that from him, and uh, you, he'll he'll hold on. To, he'll he got one of those jaws. He can just sort of like a vice grip clamp down on. You can hold that bulldog up off the ground, <laughs> holding that bone. He's got two convictions. Number one, this bone is good. Number two, this bone is mine. <laughs> And that's the way you got to be. Like if the devil says you don't have but more than six months to live because of this disease or that disease, you get a hold of 1 Peter 2, 24 and Matthew 8, 16 and 17, and you have two convictions. Number one, healing is good. Number two, healing is mine. You don't accept anything else. Yes, praise God. And so uh, these things are important to understand. Now, um, and we could take a lot of time, and I'm, I'm running out of time. But, um, so, but this, it, it, it requires a stirring up. Yes. And uh, we're not talking about an emotional stir up, uh, a stir up of one's emotion, but a stirring up with the promises of God, the Word of God, reminding yourself what the Word of God says. And uh, part of that stirring up, I had this come up in my spirit, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Part of that stirring up, because there needs to be a stirring up of one's faith. In fact, go over to, uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, is it First Timothy chapter number 1? I believe. Let me see here. <clears throat> chapter number 1, I believe it's verse number 6. No, 2 Timothy. That's one. 2 Timothy 1, 6. <clears throat> he said... Uh, Verse 6, I, I put you in remembrance, Paul's talking to his son Timothy, that thou stir up the gift of God in thee, yes. which was uh, by the, uh, given thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, I believe he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost mm -hmm. or the ministry, one of those two. But, but the general principle here is, and we can see it in other areas of the New Testament, is that spiritual things need stir stirred. Yes. They can, they can, let's put it this way, they can be present because they were deposited in us in the new birth or given to us in the new birth, but yet they're sort of, that's it, just present. They're not, they're not permeating our entire life. When I was growing up, my mom, uh, we, we there for a while, my, if we wanted to drink chocolate milk, Mom would get milk out of the refrigerator, and then there was this powder, Hershey's powder. But then later, you know, you could put it in the milk, but then later, chocolate syrup came out. So, uh, I don't know, maybe it was out before my mom bought it, but that's the way it was in my house. At first, it was the powder, and then it became syrup. 
I don't know if we became wealthy enough to buy the syrup eventually, or, or maybe it was out before that, but, but we used to have just powder, but then my mom got the syrup. But I noticed when you put that syrup in there, you got a glass of milk, you put the syrup in there, the syrup, it just goes right to the bottom. Well, I, and then you go to drink the milk, and it's just milk. Well, I didn't want milk. I wanted chocolate milk. Mom would say, well, you got to stir. You got to stir it up. And that's the way spiritual things are. God deposited them in your spirit at the new birth. They're there. But to get them to permeate your entire life, you got to stir. Stir. Well, if I could find something to stir with, I would. Okay? I'm not sticking my tongue out at you, but I'm just pointing to mine. Right here's your stir stick. Right here. Dip your tongue down in your spirit and begin to draw it up. Praise God. So all these things need stirred, actually. Not just, not just uh, spir- uh, you know, faith. Uh, how about the joy of the Lord? Joy is in your spirit. One of the fruit of the spirit is joy. But, boy, you look at some people, you think, I, I need to get them a stir stick. <laughs> Believers. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. No, they have a joystick or a, a stir stick, excuse me. They just haven't been using it. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> Amen. I like to read this verse over here in Philippians 4.4. 4. We're, we're wrapping this up, up here. <clears throat> Look at Philippians 4.4. 4, 4, 4. This is the amplified version. Amplified classic. My, my, uh, I use this a lot, amplified classic. Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Delight. Gladden yourself in him. Again, I say, rejoice. I like that. Rejoice. Gladden yourself. Delight yourself in the Lord, in him. Amen. So, notice that. Gladden. In other words, he's talking about stirring up the gladness, stirring up the joy. So that's something else that needs stirred, doesn't it? Uh, Notice he didn't say, wait for somebody else to gladden us. Notice this verse didn't say, put your your, uh, music playlist on your iPhone and put in your earplugs and gladden yourself. Now, we're not against that. I'm not preaching against that. But I'm just simply saying, you can do this without anybody. He's talking about you doing this without outside help. We thank God for other people that help encourage us, and, 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 and we get around them, and they stir us up spiritually. That's the plan of God for the body of Christ, actually, to get together and do that. But, but what if you're like David? You remember David over there in 1 Samuel where it talks about the, the, the chapter number 30? It talks about he was out on a battle, and he came back in the Ziklag, I believe it was the name of the city. It was, all, it was burnt with fire. The enemy had come and taken away their goods and their wives and children and so forth. And, and the Bible said all the men that, were, that came back with David from the battle, they were all discouraged, and they were crying because, you know, you understand. But right on the other hand... Uh, they talked about stoning David. Yeah. Bad leader, stone him. <laughs> Didn't have defenses back here to protect the families. And so, I mean, he's, I mean, they're talking about mutiny, and, right. and, and he's lost his family. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a good, good opportunity to curl up in a corner, right. get in the fetal position, <laughs> and cry. 
You ever had an opportunity like that? Yeah, yeah like once a week, Pastor. <laughs> Not quite that bad, but it, but things come against us. Well, if I could just find somebody to stir me up. We thank God for other people, but what about this verse? Look at, look at the 30th. This is 1 Samuel 30, verse number 6. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because of all the, the, the souls of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Look at this. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. <clears throat> he encouraged himself. Nobody else was there to encourage him. What do you do when there's nobody else around to encourage you? You can encourage yourself. You can start saying, you know, I just want to remember, I'm just going to remind myself of what the Bible says. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And you start reminding yourself of those things. And before you know it, you're going to, you're going to go from discouragement to encouragement. And a few, a few moments before, you were not wanting even to get out of bed. But by the time you're done encouraging yourself... You hop out of bed and you say, where is the devil? Let's, let's, let's take him. Come on. Come on. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself. If you read the whole thing, he inquired of the Lord what to do. God told him what to do. He went out and did it and got all, the, all of his family's back, his children back, all the goods back. Hallelujah. What can happen if you encourage yourself? You can go possess what is really yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It didn't say God encouraged David. It said he encouraged himself. There's times God will just come along and encourage you. I thank God for that. But there's times I just encourage myself. Praise the Lord. Did you get anything out of the word this morning? <clears throat> Psalm 27:13 in the Amplified Classic. Psalm 27:13, Amplified Classic. What would have become of me if I had not believed I would see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living? Hallelujah. What would have become of me? There's a lot of times I, I have to say that about myself. Where would I be today if I had just laid down and said, I give up. It's helpless. There's no, it's over. It's done. I'm not going to be able to do it. Not going to be able to get there. Not going to be able to succeed at that. God put something in my heart, but it's just it's not, it's not working out. I have to look at this verse and think of myself. Where would I be if I had not, look at that, believed. Believed to see. Did you see that? Believe that I would see. See, the believing comes before the seeing. Sometimes people want to get all excited because they see a miracle God did. <clears throat> well, getting excited is fine. But that's gratitude, not faith. You understand? There's a difference between rejoicing before you see and rejoicing after you see. Rejoicing before you see is faith. Rejoicing after you see is gratitude. Both are scriptural. <clears throat> so do them both. Right? But don't wait until you see to rejoice. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. You can't possess without stirring yourself up with the joy of the Lord. Amen. Count it, but James 1, 2, count it all joy. He didn't say it was joy, but when you fall into diverse temptation, count it all joy. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 
count it all joy. What does that mean? I'm putting down to my account right now. I'm happy. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, glory to God. Yes, hallelujah. <clears throat> I'm gladdening myself in the Lord. <laughs> hallelujah. And you got to put yourself in remembrance to do that. Now, we read there, uh, uh, stir up. Paul told Timothy there in 2 Timothy 1, 6, stir up the gift of God. But he said, where, do you notice that verse starts out by wherefore? Yeah. Wherefore? You go back to speak wherefore, it's connecting what he just said to what he said. So go back to the verse before. He said, when I, when I saw the unfeigned faith in you. When I, in other words, because of your faith. Back in verse 5, you see that? Because of your faith. Because of your faith. Stir it up. You have faith. See, faith, <clears throat> faith is not just to, you know, walk in the blessings of God. Faith is to stir yourself up. Faith can stir. You can stir yourself up. You know, this is the cure for depression. I've experienced, you know, things trying to get on me in the area of depression. But uh, I've also learned uh, to uh, get that off of me. And I, and I live with that off of me now. If it ever tries to come back, I just stir myself up. Say, ha, ha, ha. Amen. Did you get anything out of the Bible this morning? This is really just a, a, a foundational truth that you can take in so many ways. But uh, I believe we got out what God wanted us to get out this morning. And so I encourage you, if there's something that it looks like it's over, it looks like it's, 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 there's no way, you might as well just give up. Stop, stop being, you know, in faith or whatever. Stop believing the, the word. I'm not, I just, it's just not going to work. I encourage you to pick that up again. Stir yourself up and say, it's not over if, until I quit, and I do not quit. Hallelujah.